You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. My name is Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now, and I'm pleased to have with us Dory Gold. Dory Gold is president of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. He's Israel's former United Nations ambassador, and he's also the author of several New York Times bestsellers. And his topics that he has covered is everything from the United Nations to Jerusalem. Dory, uh, thank you for coming, and I would like to begin by asking you about the recent uh, attacks by Hamas on the state of Israel and its residents. Uh, there have been reports that over 400 rockets were shot by Hamas. And in your answer, if you could also talk about the current state of affairs, because Israel and Hamas announced that they were entering into a ceasefire agreement. So if you could address those two subjects, um, we look forward to hearing an update as to what's happening in Israel. Well, very brief background. You know, there are a lot of people who have been telling Israel for years, if it just gives up territory, it will buy peace. And many in Israel just, you know, they want to give peace a chance have subscribed to that theory. And unfortunately, what has happened since Israel withdrew unilaterally from the Gaza Strip in 2005 is that rather than see a reduction of rocket fire on our cities and towns, we've seen an immense escalation. And these um, wars and these uh, battles just continue all the time. Uh, and between rounds, we have moments of peace but or, or relaxation of hostility, but it always comes back. And this was the most recent one, and the people of Israel have had it. They really want the army to go in and make a final order, and so this just stops. But it's not so simple, and it puts a lot of pressure on our national leadership, which can't deliver the kind of quiet that the people of Israel are hoping for. There's a difference between quiet and uh, a sense of security. Uh, I I saw with the Prime Minister today at a dedication um, for David Ben-Gurion talked about how uh, there is a great deal that people don't know about what's going on that went into his decision to enter into a ceasefire agreement. One of the criticisms of ceasefire agreements is that it, uh, it gives uh, Hamas an opportunity to rearm. Um, what do you say to that? Well, the, you know, a decision maker like Prime Minister Netanyahu is clearly torn. On the one hand, he feels like his people, like the citizens of Israel, who would like to see these uh, intermittent wars in Gaza come to an end. But on the other hand, he also knows two things. 
you can get bogged down in these kinds of conflicts. You can end up uh, thinking you're going in for a week to clean the place up, and you're there for six months. And while you're there, young, talented soldiers of yours are killed. And then the same people who are calling for a massive attack in Gaza are calling for a withdrawal two months later. So you have to have a very smart strategy for dealing with this. And second of all, you have an issue of other fronts. You know, we have uh, Iran determined to take over Syria like it's a province of Iran. And they have been pouring in troops. They're doing very smartly, not just the Iranians. They're getting Shiite militias from Iraq, from uh, Pakistan, from Afghanistan. They're basing them. They're coming here with their families. They're going into the homes of those Sunni Arabs that ran away from Syria and moved into Europe. So, um, you know, you have to be prepared for much bigger conflicts that could be on the horizon or may not uh, actually occur. But just because they might, you got to be prepared and don't get bogged down in the mud of Gaza. One of the um, uh, your your answer brings to mind a famous historical moment, which was Count Vita telling Tsar Nicholas that he should start a splendid little war, in this case with Japan, and that splendid little war actually was the first major attack on the uh, the longevity of the czarist regime because, in fact, the war didn't go the way Russia expected it to go. But let's switch gears slightly. Um, Israel entered into a an agreement with Hamas, which is in the Gaza Strip, which splits the Palestinian territories. There has been some talk that this agreement actually undercuts and reduces the power of Mahmoud Abbas, who is the head of the Palestinian Authority. Can you comment on that, on the geopolitical aspect of and ramifications of entering into a deal with Hamas? Well, formally, Israel doesn't negotiate with Hamas because Hamas is a terrorist organization. We have the Egyptians passing our messages. But, you know, I'm not going to pretend. Obviously, if Israel passes a message that uh, this type of an arrangement is acceptable and this one is not acceptable, in a sense, you are negotiating uh, with Hamas indirectly. Um, But uh, so that's the overall structure of the uh, situation. But you were asking something else. Do you repeat that? In the geopolitical context, does Israel entering into an agreement with Hamas and bypassing Abbas, does that reduce Abbas's power, influence in the whole 
geopolitical from a geopolitical perspective in the Middle East? Well, you know, Abbas has reduced his own significance. Uh, his uh, term in office ran out years ago, and he doesn't hold elections. If he came to Israel and the United States and he said, you know what, I want to help you get rid of this terror organization, I'm willing to take my Fatah troops and march into Gaza if you open up a corridor for me to move. We might even consider doing that, but he's not going to. And um, therefore, he has somewhat sidelined himself. But the real story here is not just Hamas as an organization. The story is that Hamas is operating hand in glove with Iran. And it's the Iranians who are trying to spread their power and influence across the Middle East through alliances with these terror organizations. You have the Houthis, for example, down in Yemen. You have Shiite militias, which I already already mentioned, in Syria and in Iraq. And all of these are operating uh, with the financial support of Iran, with military supply of Iran, training. And uh, they are basically... um, serving Iran's interest of being the hegemonial power across the Middle East. That's the real drama of what's going on. When the United States government sees to it that um, Iran is put under more severe sanctions because it's trying to dominate the Middle East uh, and also because of its past behavior in in the nuclear realm, that does more to that for stopping um, the drive of Hamas and the Houthis than a lot of other military activity. And we're very grateful to President Trump and his uh, decision to ratchet up the sanctions on the Iranians. Recently, uh, for the past several weeks, there has been a great deal of attention in the United States about the supposed killing and dismemberment of Khashoggi in Turkey. And this has caused a lot of rethinking of, or possible rethinking in terms of Trump administration, of the relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia, which is accused of deliberately killing Khashoggi. Um, This, in light of the fact that uh, Saudi Arabia and other Arab regimes who are also threatened by Iran have been uh, drawing closer in various uh, respects to the state of Israel, what do you see the ramifications of the Khashoggi affair on Israel's relationship with the anti-Iranian Arab countries? Well, we're not really involved in this issue, uh, although uh, clearly the state of Israel does not condone uh, this kind of behavior of of bumping off citizens of various countries. But we've seen it all over the Middle East. I mean, the Iranians used to send revolutionary guards, uh, first of all, to places in South America, 
uh, like Buenos Aires, where they uh, uh, took down an Israeli embassy and a Jewish cultural center. They've been operating in France, assassinating opposition to the regime. They operated also in uh, Vienna, Austria, where they uh, killed off uh, Kurdish uh, minority members who they promised to negotiate with. So, you know, the Iranians aren't, shouldn't really talk on this issue. The problem is that uh, Saudi Arabia is an ally of the United States. And should the United States, because of the Khashoggi incident, um, should it distance itself in some way from Saudi Arabia, then that can have ramifications across the Middle East with all your alliances. And you've got to be careful of that. You've got to remember, Iran is the dangerous country which is on a roll. And anything that allows Iran to gain strength at the expense of various other countries in the Middle East is bad. It's bad for those countries. It's uh, bad for stability. And I think it's bad for the United States. Now, you still have to put forward your views. If it turns out that the Khashoggi assassination was ordered by the highest levels in Saudi Arabia, that's a problem. But however you do, however you deal with it, you know, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't um, destroy a strategic relationship which will protect uh, so many vital interests that the United States has in the Middle East. I'd like to um, wrap up this conversation uh, by asking you to describe the state of relations between the United States and Israel during the Trump administration. How would you describe uh, this relationship? Um, Is it constructive? Is it uh, from Israel's perspective? uh, How how would you categorize the relationship with the United States? First of all, it's Israeli policy to have good relations with both of the main political parties in the United States. I have to say that under President Obama, we started having a very serious problem because of the assumptions of the Obama administration about what works in the Middle East. And the whole Iran agreement was based on the incorrect assumption that Iran was on the cusp of becoming a more moderate country. And so if you cut that deal on the nuclear uh, issue, you'll end up seeing a tone down Iran and Iran that doesn't threaten its neighbors coming out as a result. That didn't happen. Iran got much worse with lots of cash that it received for doing the deal. And um, just in terms of its threat to all its neighbors. Uh, so um, we, I think, uh, were relieved to see that the newer Trump administration was reassessing that whole policy and looking at actual behavior of Iran, decided to get out of that horrible Iranian nuclear deal and to confront Iran's expansionist activities in the Middle East. That was for, I think, not just Israel, but for Saudi Arabia, for the United Arab Emirates, for Kuwait, Bahrain, for all these countries, a, uh, a shift 
which uh, relieved us tremendously. Were you surprised that the Trump administration followed through on the wishes of Congress and actually moved the American embassy to Jerusalem? Well, I think one thing I noticed about President Trump, he likes to say, this is what I promised and this is what I did. You know, I was actually one time in one of the offices in the White House of a former official, and I saw he had like almost like wallpaper up on his, uh, uh, you know, across the entire office of lists of promises given um, during their presidential campaign. And then saying, well, uh, you know, this is fulfilled. Check, check, check. So uh, I think uh, it's very important for President Trump to be a man of his word. And with respect to policy towards Israel and the Middle East, that is the case. Well, I want to thank you, Dory Gold, for taking this time, uh, bringing us up to speed on some crucial issues facing the state of Israel. And I look forward to having you participate in another one of our podcasts sometime in the near future. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Code Red with Secure America Now. We are the largest national security digital platform in the nation, dedicated to bringing critical security issues to the forefront of the American debate. For more information, visit our website at www.secureamericanow.org.